0: The founder and director of the Magazine Media Center, you may know him as Mr. Magazine, and that's a title that you had for quite a while. Um, how did you get into magazines? What what, what prompted you to take on that uh, subject?
1: Uh, it was the love of storytelling and and the feeling of ink on paper in my hands. I was 10 years old when I saw an ad uh, when dad bought us uh, our first television and uh, back in 1962. And then a year later, I saw an ad that says, like, is it a train? Is it a plane? No, it's Superman. <laughs> and the new Superman magazine, and we called all the comics magazine back then uh, in Lebanon. Uh, growing up in Tripoli, Lebanon, I said, I must have this uh, thing. And I saved my allowance for the week, which was equivalent to 40 cents. And lo and behold, the magazine was 40 cents.
0: Wow. Wow. So Good. I bought
1: the first issue and as I was crossing the street, reading the story, something like happened. I felt like, you know, the the instead of my blood pumping, my, my heart pumping blood, all of a sudden my heart was pumping ink on paper. It was the first time I'm reading a story on my own pace, flipping the pages, looking at things, not depending on my father or my grandfather to read me a story from the Bible, which is the only place or the only book we had at home.
0: Ah, so magazines have have played a huge role. And now you spent uh, 37 years at the University of Mississippi uh, teaching and and, uh, setting up their center of magazines or whatever. Um, Is that is that something you look back on now as sort of uh, you put that in motion and, uh, you know, that's going to go on, right? Well, I mean,
1: uh, I don't know if it's going to go on because it was sort of like a one man's effort. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hope uh that one of my students and and i mean 37 years i've seen and taught hundreds of students and they've excelled in positions all over the magazine media industry that's when when i retired from the university i started the magazine media center because i want to help preserve the past present and the future of magazine media because i am one of those people who believe that as long as we have human beings we are going to continue to have income paper publications they may not be the same like what they used to be in the early 20th century, uh, but we are going to continue to have income paper uh, publications, And uh, which, by the way, I mean, uh, I was uh, looking and, and uh, at all my storage units, uh, and I donated all my magazines to my alma mater, the University of Missouri in Columbia.
0: Oh, great. Where-
1: They are now taking care of them. They have a house. They will live there for researchers, students, on any topic. Almost every new magazine uh, from like since I came to America 1978 on and a whole bunch of other magazines from the early 20th century. And there were, I believe, the last count they told me it's around 175,000 magazines. It took two and a half, (laughs) 18 wheelers to to ship. (laughs) from Oxford to Columbia, it Missouri.
0: Needs its own building, doesn't it? Um,
1: uh-huh. Well, actually, they had a one big, huge floor, and, and they are working on coding and, and getting them ready for researchers, which may take five to ten years. Sure.
0: To well, you, you recently wrote, we're talking with Samir Hosni, the uh, author of, well, many stories, and, and I should mention your book, that one you co-wrote with uh, David Sumner, uh, just came out the magazine Century, and this is a history, correct? Yes, of the magazine industry.
1: It's the history of the magazine industry from 1900 to 2020. uh because almost all the books that have been written, I mean Frank Luther Mott, who get me into the business of, I mean, I never met the guy; he was dead by the I was one right. when he died. But Frank Luther Mott was the second dean of the School of Journalism in Columbia, uh, Missouri wrote the history of American magazines in five volumes. But he stopped by like 1930, 1935, and and he died in 1954. And all the books that have been written after that have been like segmented, like magazines in the 60s, magazines in the 80s. And, right. and there was no book that continued the, uh, the history from 1900 to 2020. And when David Sumner who wrote the first edition asked me uh, to help and co-author the second edition I jumped into the occasion because I figured the magazine century will be a great addition to the media libraries and it will be also a great addition to students of magazines and and to see how how the change took place through that century and 20 years
0: you wrote uh, recently in um, on the w- website pointer uh, where all the magazines gone? And you were talking about newsstands. Uh, and I, I think, if I recall the article, you said you had written the obit for newsstands, the old-style newsstands, in 2014. And we're talking about the ones that sell tobacco and cigars yeah. and things, and also magazines. But they had moved to grocery stores and bookstores. And then the pandemic ca- came. Or did it happen before that? What's What's going on with newsstands?
1: Well, I mean, it was happening before the pandemic. I mean, we are, for one, we are seeing the big change in the nature of magazines. I mean, magazines are no longer uh, a cheap thing to buy. I mean, it's not like $1 or $2 and you buy mm-hmm. a magazine. The average right. cover of a magazine now at like Barnes & Noble is $11. Wow. And $11 is not—it's uh, not cheap. So mm-hmm. so we are looking now at magazines as a luxury item. I mean, the magazines that Henry Luce started as time and life back in the 20s and 30s of the previous century were referred to as mass magazines. I mean, let's price them at 10 cents so as many people can get the magazines as possible. While uh, even the National Enquirer today is $6, where it used to be for years for 25 cents. Right. So you that really have to have an inquiring mind six dollars to learn everything about the national inquiry
0: but where does one see magazines these days because that's that's kind of the problem isn't it in terms of i mean uh, yeah, visibility yeah.
1: the visibility and that's what i keep saying like i mean if you are not, not visible if you're not available for people to see you you're as good as that and if you notice the grocery stores and the checkout counters that space have shrunk and the majority of the magazines have been replaced by those high-item publications which I refer to as bookazines. I mean, uh, i.e. it's a a book in the format of a magazine. Uh, And and the reason for that is the magazine publishers uh, don't know anything about book publishing. And so they decided, what's the best way I can create those books and distribute them the way I know it, which is magazine distribution. So let me make them look like a magazine, whether it is inside your cat's mind, or whether it is the Titanic, or whether it is Journey celebrating their 50th anniversary in rock and roll. All of these publications are coming to the marketplace almost at the rate of one or two a day, uh, and from, from two major publishers, from A360 and from uh .dash, and those publications, uh, I, I spoke with the vice president at uh, A360, and he told me these are like more of an impulse buy. Because if you love Journey or if you love the Titanic and you see that title, uh, all of a sudden you say, oh, I must have it. I mean, I must have that. And 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 when I asked, like, how high can you go with the prices? I mean, now we are at fourteen ninety nine for one issue, for one copy. Uh, and he said, "Well, you asked me the same question when we were selling them for 10.99. As long as people keep on buying them, we are going to continue to produce them. But to answer your question about where can you find the magazines, I mean, mainly now, uh, Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. I mean, those two bookstores have the largest selection of magazines available in the country. And uh, you still have some checkout counters, and you still have, have like the airport displays, and and uh, because it's important for the publisher, not only for the consumer to see the magazine. Remember, I mean, the original magazine depended on advertising to survive. Right. right. So you need the advertisers to see that the magazine is still being published, the magazine is still being displayed. That's what I always said. I mean, whenever anybody says they are killing their print edition and they're only going digital, I say, well, I mean, uh, they are going into intensive care and very soon they are going to completely disappear. Because if you don't see it, if you don't touch it, uh, it does not exist. Out of, with, out of sight, out of mind.
0: Right. We're talking with Samir Husni, the the founder and director of the Magazine uh, Media Center. Mr. Magazine is is his title. Uh, you know, I'm wondering, Samir, uh, you know, we've seen newspapers uh, decline rapidly in, in this century uh magazines have their own probably course uh you would say digital magazines are there success stories uh digital magazines or what? what is your thought there well i mean i do not consider
1: a magazine digital. if it's not ink on paper okay so, so i don't believe i mean i mean you know when when tv was invented nobody called it radio with pictures they came up with a television their name for the for that platform Digital is a wonderful platform. I mean, it it talks, it moves, it can show video, it can show sound, which print can never do. So why can't we come up with a new name for that? And and but the sad thing is if anybody can show me, I mean, I'm I'm sure somebody will tell me, oh, we have a success story, whether it is US News and World Report or but take an example like Vice magazine. Vice was a very successful alternative magazine that was started in canada and became such a big huge success and then they moved digital and and uh, what happened last week there was a lot of news that they are going to file for bankruptcy oh. i mean still we are not benefiting from uh, what digital can offer us as magazine publishers uh, i was doing consulting in in madrid in spain and the editor of cosmopolitan there has on her desk Samir says, if you can find the answer on Google, it does not need to be in the magazine. And that was the sad story in the newspapers. And I tried a lot doing consulting with newspapers and telling them. I mean, you cannot tell me what happened yesterday. I mean, the five W's and the H, the who, what, when, where, and how is too late to be in print. I mean, I am seeing it as it happens. You have to become more of the what's in it for me. You have mm-hmm. to make your your daily newspapers look like a weekly magazine on a daily basis. Give me the analysis, the impact. But, you know, uh, I, I always said it: there was two people who would love to talk about change from now till eternity, but they will never change. Uh, <laughs> journalists and university professors.
0: <laughs> what was the, You know, we talked about the pandemic uh the impact there i'm i'm just thinking and and I, this is maybe a minor point but i'd love to have your thought on it waiting rooms all of a sudden all the magazines and they used to be there are gone was that an impact or is it an impact are they coming it, it, back
1: it, it was definitely it was an impact i mean it's coming back but definitely it was an impact same thing with the airline magazines same thing with the right. i mean a lot of magazines disappeared but the magazines that depend on subscription uh I have seen a, a lift because of the pandemic. I mean, I mean, I spoke with a lot of publishers who said, uh, as much as I hate to say it, but the pandemic helped our subscription like, go up 10%, 20% because people were stuck at home. Nobody was going to grocery stores. Right. And everybody wanted the magazine, so they were subscribing to those magazines. And it right. was coming from
0: So there was a benefit there for some. I guess yeah too. I mean
1: there there was a benefit for for the magazines that depended on subscription uh as a source of revenue and and as much as publishers hate to say that we benefited from the pandemic, uh I tell them they can
0: join the rest of the folks who benefited from the pandemic <laughs> yeah, there's a few there um, yeah. one of the points in your article uh was that with this been a decline in the number of and this probably isn't too surprising, given what you've already said but a decline in the number of new magazines, 535 in 96, which isn't all that long ago, although maybe it is for some people, to only 74 last year. Is that a trend that we're going to see continue?
1: Definitely, because, again, because the changing nature of what a magazine is. I mean, where, where the magazines used to publish, and because I don't count the magazines that are not published like four times or more a year, uh to to stay with the United States Postal Service definition of a magazine. It's if it's a periodical, it has to be published four times a year. But on the other hand, we are seeing a lot of those bookazines, the one-time shot.
0: Right. I mean,
1: if I show you the stacks, although I mean I gave all my magazines to the University of Missouri, uh I still collect magazine, I still follow the industry and I still try to keep up with all the, the new editions. I mean every now and then, new magazine comes along and 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 every now and then uh, people uh, uh depend that they they need to do something different uh, in order to to charge much higher price. I mean when you can get a magazine like Vogue for twelve dollars a year while you are paying fifteen dollars for one issue of mindfulness or exactly. kindfulness i mean yeah you, you have you have to d- decide i mean am I going to depend on the consumer to pay the bill? or I'm going to depend on the advertiser to pay the bill. And advertisers now have way too many options, way too many. uh, I mean, why would Ralph Lauren advertise in a magazine if they can send me an email with a coupon directly to me, knowing that, I mean, they know more about me than the magazine. Exactly,
0: all the data. All the data
1: they have. But the big difference is when you are in a magazine, I mean, it's the real estate. It's it's it, and that's the important point that's why we are going to continue to have advertising and we are going to continue to see stuff in magazines because it's you are entering to a subdivision an upper class subdivision, a gated community if you want to say mm-hmm. and all the ads are related to the content of the magazine I mean you are not going to find an ad for cat food in a magazine like food and wine right but right. in the same token, but if you go on the internet or if you go on Facebook or any of the social media sites, I mean, the ads has nothing to do with the content. The ads right. are all directed to you. Right. So whatever my wife and I discussed last night, the ad is aimed at that discussion. I mean, mm-hmm. they listen to you, they hear you, uh, even if you are not on social media, right. uh, which is the scary part. Well, if you have a magazine, and you are looking at the ad, it's part of that real estate. It's not like you're not putting a mobile home uh, next to a, a very nice luxury penthouse.
0: <laughs> what, one of the things I, I would love to see, and maybe, it's, it's, maybe you've seen it or maybe you know uh, how to do it, but a list of the great magazines, because I know we know the titles, but it's very important sometimes to give the period uh for instance sad evening post from whatever 25 to 35 uh esquire from the 60s or yeah is there anything like that i mean because i know that's uh, very subjective that's why you
1: uh that's why you need the uh magazine century book published by peter lang uh and and uh you will get all that information i mean you you will read about the movers and shakers Uh, The groundbreakers, see, I divide magazines into three categories. The groundbreakers, that there was nothing like them before. For example, uh, the first gay magazine published in America uh, uh, was in California in 1953, called One. And it was more of uh, uh, a serious, I mean, it was not a sex magazine. It was a serious studies and articles about homosexuality. Mm -hmm. It came out and very few people know about it and you will find a chapter in the book about it uh, or part of a chapter. Uh, You will read about a magazine called Quick. Uh, That was what I call the iPhone of the 50s. Quick was the very little size, like four by five, can fit in a person's shirt pocket or a woman's purse and was started by uh, by Flora Coles, who is very well known for her role at Look Magazine and at uh, uh, Flair Magazine. Uh, But this little tiny digest size was more like, you know, everything you needed to know about the news of the week before. And there were actually more than 60 titles copied that magazine uh, after that. And, And they were on every subject, every detail. And if you ask people, I mean, uh, even yesterday, the woman who's doing the appraisal for my magazines, uh, she said, those magazines disappeared from the marketplace. I mean, they don't exist. How did you get all of them and how did you keep them? (laughs) Again, I mean, that's the importance of the income paper. It's something that Google will not give you the answer. Google will answer what you asked Google to answer. But Mm -hmm. how would you know about those pocket-sized magazines? Or, Like you said. Did you know, for example, that the Saturday Evening Post is still being published? Mm-hmm. It's bimonthly, yeah. uh, and 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 so I mean, there's a lot of stuff that uh, all what people know about is like you know Time, Newsweek, uh, uh, TV Guide, the, the popular the popular titles that are out there. But TV yeah. Guide just launched a new magazine called Inside TV uh, or TV Insider, uh, which is a magazine about streaming. I mean, because no. the new in television is streaming, so everything uh, what's worth streaming uh, is now the the topic of that magazine.
0: Well, when it comes to groundbreaking, Samir Husni, you are the the groundbreaker when it comes to magazines. Um, one last thing, Samir, you know what's what's on your to do list now? You've you've got the magazine a Century out there. You're working on the future of of the magazines, uh, along with the, preserving the past. Uh, what's what's on your to-do list?
1: Well, I'm I'm working on a new book uh, called "The Magazines and I," which is really more like an autobiography. On, oh, great! People always are amazed. Like, how did you get into this business? I mean, uh-huh. how did you become Mister Magazine? How did you? And and when I tell people, I mean, it was not my idea to be called Mister Magazine. It was one of my former students from 1986 who could not pronounce my name. So he started calling Mr. Magazine and the end of the semester he gave me a little desk plate that says Samir A. Hosni Mr. Magazine and in 91 the New York Times did a profile on me and they sent a photographer who took the picture and that desk plate was on my desk and so everybody started calling me Mr. Magazine. So I said well Mr. Magazine let it be and I trademarked that name and then when the internet came I bought the Mr. Magazine.com and uh the rest is history. <laughs>
0: well, it's great history. And Samir, we'll get we'll get when that book's out, we'll get back to you. Okay. And uh, we'll you. do another installment. We thank you thank so much. You. Thank <laughs> you, Steve. Have a great day. Take care day. now. bye bye. Bye bye.